Welcome to Bar Fights with attorney and advocate Sarah Klein. Taking on issues that matter and advocating for legal, cultural, and political change everywhere in order to protect children and vulnerable adults. Joining the conversation are survivors, advocates, lawyers, media personalities, athletes, celebrities, authors, wellness aficionados, and many more. Because bringing real justice takes a team of experts who care. Now, leading the fight is your host, Sarah Klein. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to Bar Fights this Monday. Today is an extremely important topic, and the internet was blowing up over the death of somebody we all knew and loved through the Ellen DeGeneres show, Stephen Twitch Boss, who died by suicide in the last several weeks. And I'm not an avid TV watcher, but I did sure know who he was. I was uplifted by his dancing Instagram videos, and he had this seemingly perfect life, beautiful wife, beautiful kids, wonderful career. And so I think his death by suicide shocked all of us and, and, and brought something up in all of us um, that I want to talk about today, which is things are not always as they seem. And we know all too well, this time of year, is particularly difficult for many people getting through the holidays, family stuff coming up, past traumas coming up, and people might not be showing it. We see again on social media, all these pictures of perfect families around the Christmas tree. And, you know, we, we compare and we try to keep up and what's going on behind the scenes might be something that looks very difficult. So I brought in an amazing amazing guest today. Um, He's a New York media veteran. He's nationally recognized an award-winning child advocate. Um, And he's got quite the story. And he's going to tell us about that today. Thankfully, he came out on the other side and survived the issues that caused his own personal thoughts of suicide. And today, he's a speaker, he's a writer, he's um, just an incredible human being. And so I want to welcome Steve Simpson. Welcome to Bar Fights. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for being here. This could be, in my view, one of the most important conversations on the show. I told you earlier, we have young people listening to this show. We also have a lot of parents who listen to the show or adults who love, you know, a young person or adults who've been through immense trauma and or maybe just simple adversity in life. Like we always go through. And so I think this conversation is so relevant. I've always said, everybody knows somebody loves somebody or is somebody who's gone through some form of sexual trauma. But I think that absolutely applies to the topic of suicide. Everybody knows somebody loves somebody or is somebody who has either completed a suicide or had suicidal ideations at some point in their lives, or at least has had the thought of it would maybe be easier um, if I just wasn't here. So I want to start Steve 
um, by having you introduce yourself to my audience and to tell us about your story, if you would. Sure. So I might as well start when I was a child. That's the easiest way from the very beginning. Yeah. And given what you said, too, that you never know what's really going on. So as far as my early years in school, you know, first grade, second grade, third grade, fourth grade, those early years, uh, I was always cracking jokes, always the life of the classroom, always failing. I acted like I just didn't care. I would be thrown out. If there was like a, an auditorium thing, like a speaker, I'd be thrown out like in, instantly. They knew they were throwing me out. And, uh, and uh, again, making jokes, the teachers would even laugh, which somehow made them twice as angry for some reason. I'd go, but you laughed at my joke as they were throwing me out. My lowest grade ever was a negative 20. And you might say, how do you get a negative 20? So what happened was, you know, remember, this is early grades. I was always jealous of the kids that did great in school, but not because of the grades. In my head, I thought that meant they had a great home life, okay, because I didn't, which I'll go into. So I, I, that's what made me angry at them. You know, the parents love them, no abuse, because they have great grades. So I used to try to distract them, okay, uh, during the thing, so they, so they would do as well. And I was caught doing it, and the teachers said, get back in your seat, and whatever you get, I'm taking off 20 points. So I went, then just give me a zero. I'm not going to even try. And the teacher trumped me and said, no, now I'm giving you negative 20. So this was me. Uh, I would I, I didn't try. I would try to cheat, though. I, I'd go home. I wanted to pass sometimes, but I would spend twice as long trying to cheat as my friends would study. And my friends would say, why, yo, man, why don't you just study? It would take half the time. And I would say, what's the use? Because I honestly believe no matter what I did, I would fail. Now, through all my jokes and all my laughter and everyone sat me at my lunch at the lunch table, you had to be near me because I was going to do something crazy. OK, but deep down, I was dying inside. I, I total pain, anger. Why? Because my father was an abusive alcoholic and he was both physically and verbally abusive. Now, the physical stuff he had what I call a snap temper. He could be talking like we're talking out of nowhere, hit you, push you, throw things at you, start screaming at you. Mm. Uh, the only thing you'd pray for back then is that it stopped right away. Because you never knew, is it a one-hit thing? Are we done? Or he's going to keep doing it. But for me personally, more than the physical abuse was the verbal abuse. That caused far more damage to me. And I always say those emotional scars last a lot longer than my physical abuses and scars because that's what shattered my self-esteem. I heard from the time I was born, basically, failure, don't want you. Uh, they want to call him dad or father. So he told me, call me by your first name. Uh, I mean, it was, it was that there with him, always abusive. If I accomplished something, like I was happy, he'd laugh, it's nothing. It's a big deal, you do it. you're not gonna do it again, you're still stupid. It was constant, and what people don't get is that if you're, if that's all you know growing up, you believe it. And it's the hopelessness that started coming in. Now, I would cut school from early grades, like in elementary school. I got away with it easy then because no one dreamed I was actually called plain hooky. But where would I go? Here's the amazing thing. I go to the public library, find a court. My famous line to the whoever's at the desk was, can I have a pen and paper? And they would give me pen and paper, sometimes the whole pad. And I would sit and I read a lot of books, number one, grab books and read them. And I would write poems short stories. That was always my escape, my writing. I loved to write stories because that was my, my fantasy away from my, you know, what I was living with. Now look at the situation here. Here's the epitome of a low self-esteem. I'm cutting school because I think in elementary school, I'm a complete failure, but I'm going to the library to read books. And as I look back now, above my age level and reading comprehension and writing, which most kids won't do. Um, now from 11 years old on, 
I want, I, I, I was suicidal at that point. And one thing I used to say, and I actually wrote this in my books, the line that I use, I used to go, I don't want to die. I still want to live. And you go, that's the same thing. No, it's not the same thing. I had no idea it was like being dead. I was never dead before, but I knew it was like being alive. It was constant pain, hopelessness. Now, if I honestly knew that things would get better, I would not have thought of suicide then. But I honestly, from the constant verbal abuse, the always drama in the house, there was always something going on, uh, the impending doom, not knowing what was going to happen the next day. And you mentioned holidays, the worst thing in the abuse of home. Even when I didn't like school, which eventually I'll tell you, I did spin that around. Okay. Um, it was kind of a love-hate relationship that so kept me away from him. When there was a holiday, that means I'm home and it means he's probably home. And the longer you're around an abuser, unfortunately, the better chance you have of getting abused. That's and I'll, I'll jump in right there and say, think about COVID, lockdown, right? Absolutely. I, I actually did an article with Teachers Magazine on that saying that I can't imagine, okay, being trapped with your abuser. And at the beginning of the lockdown, if you remember, friends can go over each other's houses. Like that child could not even escape being an abuser. And I also want to pivot to what you just said. I warn a lot of parents and teachers that even though we're past the quote lockdown, uh, even if it was only verbal abuse, I always hear that line only, uh, there's like a time bomb in my opinion in some kids now. And, and all the stuff that was said to them and said to them day after day, that if they're not gonna get therapy, that's like living inside them right now. And I stress like teachers, if you see a student and they seem off, don't just blame the lockdown. Say, it's not the lockdown, it's what happened during the lockdown. I mean, yeah. even today, for example, my friends joke because I eat fast. You know, And the reason I eat fast is I train myself as a kid, get away from that table, get away from the abuser. So again, like you mentioned, holidays. So at that point on, I wanted out. I, I really, it wasn't for attention. I really wanted out. Now, I also, from 12 on, started running away. I was what you call a couch surfer. Now, what does that mean? I wouldn't leave the state of things. I would just stay at friends' houses for a week at a time, a day at a time, and then come back, back and forth. And I'll stress, though, don't take that lightly as parents, because predators somehow have their ears to the ground. And when it gets out there that there's a young person not at home staying at friends' houses, they can evolve somehow. That's why many times you see a much younger person dating a much older person. Why? Because they figured out they need a place to stay. It's like an escape, you know. Uh, and many times, too, I've done a lot of volunteer work with young adults. They might say, doesn't she realize she's being used? And here's the joke on everybody else. She's not stupid. She does. But it's better than where she's living. And that's what people don't escape. And they think, unfortunately, that's the only alternative. Now, eventually, I ended up in foster care. Now, I was in two foster homes. I know a lot of stuff is said against foster homes, but my experiences were excellent in both homes. Okay. It was the whole over to my mom. God bless her. Eventually did on her own. Left my dad nothing to do with them, got her own place. But in the meanwhile, I had to go to mandatory therapy and or, which I picked the second one better, self-help groups. Now, this was a revelation for me because I walk in this group and who do I see in this group of smart kids? <laughs> and, and I actually said to one of them, one of the girls, I said, what are you doing here? <laughs> you know, and she smiled and said, well, hello, Steve, to you too. You'll figure it out. Some of these kids who are awesome in school, I'm talking valedictorian um, um, level, were tried suicide more times than I thought about it. Oh and my gosh. Revelation for me, because all of a sudden I'm hearing them share and they're saying, 
this, their dad or mom, mostly dad, but some moms are alcoholics too, they were sh- saying the same thing that he said to me. They were, they were being called the same names. Like, wait, this is confusing me. I get it. I'm on the 10 most wanted list of teachers. Like, you know, I'm a teacher's nightmare. You're a teacher's dream. Why would your father call you the same? And that was the point. It had nothing to do with me, whether you're a great student, not have challenges in school, you're an athlete, you know, whether you're a girl, whether you're a boy, whatever you are or what you are, okay, it has nothing to do with that. An abuser abuses you because they're an abuser. There's nothing you would have said, nothing I would have said. It. If any of these other kids were his kid, okay, different son or had a daughter, he would have abused them and said the same exact things to them. When that happened to me, because you, know, you always feel guilty. I brought it on myself. I remember once I was in school and I was banged up and I was an hour, I hurt myself, I tripped, I fall, you know, I always make excuses. And I remember teaching looking at me like this look. And um, I thought she was looking at me like, oh, you're a bad kid, you deserve it. No, she probably would look at me like this poor kid's probably being abused, but I can't prove it. Because the guilt, all that guilt went away. That I didn't make it. And when that went, and at the same time, I used to bring in like my little short stories and, and poems to them to read. And then one of the girls said, uh, I see girls, the group was mostly girls, and, they, and they, but they were awesome to me. And, and I remember one, one said to me, I can't write like that. You're smarter than me. You should be doing awesome in school. Why do you know? I'm stupid. Why do you say you're stupid? Because uh, your father says it's Steve. He's a drunk. What are you listening to? They actually taught me how to study. Okay, they actually read the chapter, Steve. Guaranteed questions around that chapter. Bit by bit, started to pass, just then just passed, then honor roll, then next year, National Junior Honor Society, doing track and wrestling just to keep myself busy. Great, always do something in school to keep, whether it's a club or something, keep yourself busy. I went with that theory. Here's the best part I was in eighth grade, they make me student of the month, not just for my class, for the entire eighth grade, but my. I used to walk by that picture and laugh and say only two years before that, that would have been a dartboard in the teacher's faculty room. Okay. Here's the thing. Those smart kids I used to make fun of, I was one of them. And this is the damage of a low self-esteem. And how many people, I love what you're doing here, because how many people go into the adulthood still doubting themselves, still thinking, still thinking that, or just settling where, why? And it, you, you go back because that's what they were told as a kid. I was able to break that cycle. I learned on suicide, and this is so important for your, for your listeners, um, that for me, one thing I learned also being in the group and later on doing volunteer work, I have, myself included in this category, known many people who either were thinking of suicide or tried it like myself, and thank God didn't die, okay? And we all have one thing in common. For those of us that did not die, okay, we all have one thing in common. I don't mean 99%, I mean 100%. We're all happy we never did die. Why? Because somehow, some way, things always did get better. We were able to get through things. I used to say, I don't see how I'm going to get through this. I don't see that nothing. I couldn't see, but it doesn't mean it can't happen. You know, whatever your faith is in 12-step programs, you call them higher powers, whoever your God is, okay, God knows more than you do. He can make it work. But sometimes we do have to take the first step. Like, for example, people used to say, why don't you go to the school social worker? And I always said, I know what they're going to say. I know what they're going to say. I was wrong. I didn't know everything they were going to say. And they were able to help and give me things and really help me. So I stressed that to anyone listening to this, that I noticed like to have this like cloud over your head constantly and just think it's never going to get better. It really can. Just sometimes we just have to change sometimes our own patterns. You know, like when you get older, when someone says, I have the worst luck in relationships, it's always an abuser, always someone that is not, not nice to me. 
mm, that's not luck. I mean, it's probably certain things that we're attracted to, you know, or we just think that we only deserve certain behavior because that's the way we were raised. And then, and then unfortunately, abuses uh, will, they actually sniff us out. Like they, they almost, predators know who to go after. Okay, they can be a part of a hundred people. They're going for the low self-esteem. They're going for the children of alcoholics. They're going to go right for that person. Somehow they just instinctively know this. And uh, so I learned in life that it's it's not luck. It's what am I? It's what we're doing wrong in relationships as well. But the great news is these things can change. I love that. I love that. And what would you say? You know, so there are some kids where you see out or some people where you see these outward signs, changes in behavior, changes in, you know, how they care for themselves. They become unshowered and they are this and this. But what about the the teenager or the adult like like Stephen Twitch boss? I and mean, we weren't living with him, so we don't know. But from the outside are putting on these airs that everything is great and they seem like a happy, wonderful person. What, how do we spot that? What can we do? How can we, how can we notice? And it's excellent. You said that because even look at like Robin Williams. Okay. Oh, she was a comedian making jokes. Uh, a lot of young adult ones that came out, Demi Lovato, Selena Gomez, Ariana Grande, who on top of the world, you're jealous of them. And then meanwhile, look what's going on inside their, their heads and their, their hearts at that time period. So it's easy to want, well, two things. First, if you mention the kid who's obvious, like they're not showering. One thing I just tell parents is don't ever just say they're just being a teenager. Oh, don't make that mistake. Okay. Uh, get them to sit, sit with a therapist or social worker. Let them tell you they're just being a teenager. Okay. Uh, that's, that's the first thing I'm going to say. Don't ever blame that on that. But the other thing, as far as the ones, for me, if I look back at myself, it was an extremism. I was constantly joking, constantly. Even people are happy aren't like that. I wasn't on drugs or drinking or anything like that. So like, why is it? So I think one thing might be to look for extremism, okay? Like this kid's over the top, though. He doesn't. He or she doesn't stop. That's the first thing. Other things are if you're in school and so on. Like I would never want to bring anyone to my house. I mean, that'd be like insane to do that. So once you look for little things like that, like if they suddenly show anxiety, if friends talk about going to their house, okay, that could be a possibility too. And we discussed this earlier. Here's a definitely um, telltale. Um, if you notice in body language, again, if holidays are coming and you see that child getting in their student or in their youth review and they're getting anxiety about the holidays, really, and you can see their faces, uh, that was some, something to tell there. Uh, um, so that's a biggie as well. Uh, there. I mean, schools, I love when schools have like us, people like us speak at them because that's the best way because, you know, unfortunately, there's a lot of I call fronting in school. Like, yes, how was your holiday? Great, great. Everyone had a great holiday. So you're thinking to yourself, mine was miserable. He knocked over the table. He beat my mom in front of me. So you think I'm the only one. Like, am I this loser that is the only one? But no, they say one out of five kids in the classroom today is a child of an alcoholic or drug abuser. And that's just that category. I'm not talking maybe mental illness in the family or, or abuse that's not by alcohol. If you're talking like a chunk of that classroom did not have a great holiday. So I think sometimes, again, to have speakers like this, uh, I know the internet can be very damaging, but then again, things like this can be very helpful. So more things like this. Uh, I love, like I said, when you see celebrities come forward. When I was younger, they would never admit they had problems. They'd go away for a while and they suppose they had the flu for a year. 
you know, they're in rehabs that we get, you know, like I love today the ones that are just honest, you know, like Robert Downey Jr. is another one, like, you know, about his life and so on. And because it makes you realize, oh, I remember Freddie Prince committed suicide. I used to watch his show. And I was, that was in my, I was suicidal at that time. And I'm not saying, wow, his life is great. Why would he do that? And my life is horrible. I didn't realize life wasn't great. The guy was going through so much emotional pain. So I think the honesty is very important. You know, uh, the old cliche, you're not alone. It's not a cliche. It's so important. Look, that's one thing. But again, I always say extremism, look for that. You know, or if a young person, or even an adult, I should say, suddenly loses interest, they're not, you know, they might be shy, they might be looking okay, but they're backing off of parties and isolating more and more. There's a reason for that. They're not just, you know, it's not their creativity that they're on their own. No, something's wrong with that. So losing interest in things. And sometimes, you, even though they crack in jokes, I would say things once in a while, okay? Um, that would give some hints, like, oh, my life's never gonna be well. Like, and they just laugh with it. But sometimes the person will throw that out there in their conversation. And sometimes you wanna pick up. Another, by the way, another great sign is if someone, quote, can't take a joke. Like we're hanging out and I tease you and you tease me. And then we said the same exact tease to the one person and he or she blows up. And you go, what's your problem? We all laughed at it, you know? And she said it to me, I don't care. Don't get down on them. You know, they might be being totally, at least verbally abused, whether a child, maybe they're an adult, their husband or wife is doing it to them, and, and then you're doing it. And, and what they're hearing is, everyone thinks I'm a loser, everyone thinks I'm these things. So if you see someone react like that, don't come down to them, back up, and maybe when you get alone with them, say, hey, is everything okay? And if they say everything's great, maybe go hang out with them, ask them to dinner, go, you know what I'm saying, ask them to hang out with them, be a friend to them. Um, I, I would suggest that. I love that. And, you know, when, when Twitch died, people started posting stuff, check in, check in on people you love, reach out to your friends, tell people you love them. And I feel like that is great, but it lasts for a cycle, you know, and everybody's like, okay, okay. And then a month later, we all forget and we go back to our busy lives and whatever happened to that. Right. And so, you know, when you are reaching out to our loved ones and friends, what do we, what do we say? I mean, is I'm checking on you a good thing to say? Um, what, what, how do we, how do we nurture each other better in order to be able to try to mitigate things like this ever happening? I think what you said, you know, it looked like, hey, friend, just checking on you, man, because I love you. Everything okay? Like, you can say you're checking on someone, okay? But, you know, add it with, like, you know, I'm not a psychotic, I am checking on you. You know, just like, you know, but, hey, just things, how things are going, what's going down. And, and another thing I say is, hey, we haven't hung in a while, man. Let's, let's go out to eat this. Anyway, pizza, anything, you know. Um, I think it's just so important to keep that cycle going. Because, you know, I've had people tell me over the years, and I've done the same thing myself, where they didn't necessarily tell me any problems. But it kind of had a funny feeling. So we just hung out. We just hung out, went, played music together in the car, blasted. And I've had them tell me a long time later, by the way, when you used to take me out and stuff, I was dying inside. I was thinking of suicide. Uh, and sometimes, so sometimes not even going into their problems, but just letting them be with someone that cares and someone has some optimism. You know, I'm not saying go crazy. Everything's great. But just let them know that things get better. You know, things always, always, always get better. I'm here for you, man. I love you. I, you know what? I love always being around you. Let them know that someone really appreciates them being around them. I know pets always, they bark and meow. They love happy to see you. We can learn from them. 
like be excited when you see friends, any friend for that matter, but especially one like that. Yeah, it's funny. I just chuckled because I have a nanny and every day when she leaves, I say, bye, I appreciate you so much. And it's become kind of a running joke. I appreciate you. But I mean that in a store or in passing, you know, you get your hair cut. Thank you so much. I appreciate you. You really did a great job that can change um, the course of someone's day. And you never know. I, I was listening to a book on tape the other day, doing my little New Year's resolution, walking around my neighborhood. And um, I heard the, the author say, everybody in your life, whether you know it or not, in your lifetime, you will save someone else's life. And nine times out of 10, you probably don't even realize it. Um, and I heard that and I thought, holy cow. Um, the, the little anecdote in the, in the book was a woman, you know, saw a homeless man sitting outside the Dunkin' Donuts and she went in and she bought him a cup of coffee with her own coffee, came out of the store, handed him the coffee and he gets tears in his eyes. And he said, thank you so much. I was planning to kill myself today and your act of kindness you know, reminded me that there are good people still in the world. And and I thought, wow, we blow through our days. We can be so caught up in ourselves and in our own lives that we aren't even thinking about how our behavior is impacting the flight attendant on the flight, the person at the ticket counter, the guy at the oil change, right? Like our energy is affecting them either for better or for worse. So how do we want to show up in the world? And, and we're not necessarily going to know what the, the guy at the oil change is going through, but just by being kind, it, it is our best way to improve, I guess, somebody else's experience of their day. And it sounds so darn cliche. I wish there was a way to, to make this sound more novel and less cliche, but it is that simple, right? And I go to with a, a server at a restaurant and just what you said, but I might have a flight attendant because I always say, have a great day. Thank you. I, but you know what? And like you said, just to smile with them. Great job. My friends laugh because how can you always get the biggest piece of cake? Because I'm nice to them, you know. But 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 sometimes I've actually had because you know I typical single bachelor. I'm going. I I know all the different restaurants I'll go to for different lunches and dinners, and um, you know. And I've had sometimes a, a server walk up to me. A lot of them are single moms, and I love single moms because it's a place in my heart for that. Because my mom was one. My young adult group that I ran to a lot of young single moms, and they'll say to me out of nowhere, "Hey Steve, can you say a prayer for me right now? I'm going through some stuff tomorrow. May I tell you what the thing is?" And like, wow, sure. And that's just from being nice i'm sure they'll say to every patron that comes into place and and also here's the other secret too when we're doing that it keeps our own self-esteem up it keeps our own hope up a little secret too i know those 12 steps i'm not in one but the 12-step programs they have service where they help others but let's face it problems happen in life they say steve so you never think of suicide after all these years what because you need to be helping other people too and it kind of you kind of hear yourself talk sometimes so like you said, you're not just helping that person, okay? You're actually helping yourself when you're doing that, you know? And, and I like what you said too, the next month you're gonna see all these things on suicide and then it's just gonna go away. And then meanwhile, the numbers rise in suicides nevertheless. And I think that's it. But I think another important factor to point out today um, is that, um, look, a lot of suicides from mental illness and I commend the individuals to talk about, you know, the celebrities talk about that. 
But a lot of suicide in my case was not mental illness. And by the way, as much as I was bouncing over the class, I did not have ADD. I would have been diagnosed today like that. I was an abused kid. How am I supposed to concentrate when I'm thinking about last night and worried about tomorrow night and being told things are hopeless? And the, so the abused kids are kind of being pushed aside. I hate to say this, but abusers are getting away with it more because like, oh, that kid's ADD. That's it. And, and meanwhile, he, he or she doesn't. And now we're not taking care of the abuse in the household. It's almost like a, an excuse or, or the codependent parent, almost like wants everything to be nice, uh, doesn't want to get the abuser in trouble, or they must have mental illness. And even if you develop some type of mental illness from depression, it's from what? It's from your abuse. Many abuse victims eventually uh, develop all sorts of issues, but it's because they were abused. So now they're almost like, I can't see any treatment's important, but maybe they're being treated the wrong way for the wrong thing. So I just need to open people's eyes up and ears up. A lot of the media needs to get down with, okay, we also have to have people who are abuse survivors talk, because otherwise, if I'm an abuse victim and all I hear that people are suicide and mental illness or ADD, I know I don't have those things, then what's wrong with me? And it hurts, because then you feel very lonely, and that's a dangerous place to be when you think you're, you're the only one. But meanwhile, there's a bunch of us. Absolutely. And this is a conversation, I think, like you started by saying, the more we have it and the more we put faces and names behind it, the, the more we can get the message out there that this is not... Um, this is not something that happens in a tiny percent of the population. This is something that's a prevalent pandemic um, in our in our society. And there is no shame around it. Unfortunately, there still is that stigma. But if we can just chip, chip, chip away at that um, and start to... Um, open up the conversation or continue to open up the conversation um, in ways that maybe haven't been done before. I hope, I pray we save, we save lives. Um, Steve, what are some resources that you love? If somebody's listening or knows somebody um, who they're concerned about, what are some resources that you would refer them to? Well, cover 800 numbers, of course, the National Suicide Prevention Line, which is 1-800-277-TALK. There's also the, the runaway switchboard, uh, which is 1-800-RUNAWAY. And both those are also numbers. Even if you're not the person, you might be able to call them and get some tips, like, how do I handle this? What do I do with them? Also, like for students or even adults, lots of times someone says, I, I might want to go to therapy, but I'm afraid. Offer to go with them the first one to two times. People Ooh, forget. That's good. Yeah. Go with your friend, hold their hand. Most social workers get it. They might let them sit in with you for the first couple of sessions just to ease them into it. And that's so, so again, if you have a friend that's just hesitant, say, I'll go with you. I'll go with you right there. We'll go together. Come on, let's go. You know, and uh, so that's also a great way to get someone for help. Yeah. And there are so many free resources, right? There's so much out there. Um, and, and there's, course, I have a whole part of it where I put, I put like all the different websites, 800 numbers, and I couldn't fit them all in there. But yeah, part of that, where like you said, and they address all different issues uh, from children, alcoholics, rape victims, suicide. I mean, there's a lot of organizations out there uh, that that are open to helping people and they're free. 
Yes, absolutely. And if anybody's listening to this and needs help or resources, please reach out to myself. Um, Steve Simpson, how can our listeners find you? Uh, a couple of ways. Uh, the website, the best way, which is Power Publishing Corp, C-O-R-P, powerpublishingcorp.com. Uh-huh. There are all sorts of things there. I'm also on Instagram. It's Instagram at author Steve Simpson or Facebook at author Steve Simpson. Kept it real simple. Uh, my interviews are on there. Uh, again, not just the books, but the different resources. Uh, and if anything, I, I just like yourself, I bend over backwards to let people know that, again, they're not the only ones. One cool thing, too, is the Teenage and Young Adult Survival Handbook that I wrote, all my personal experiences, it's an insert in my four young adult novels. And why do I do that? Because this way, if a young person wants it and someone says, why are you asking for it? They can say, oh, I love this. The science fiction, I love this. On reverse, if you want to give it to someone without putting them on the spot. You can say, I know you love these kind of books because the, the novel parts read like a, a movie, it's exciting movie. People say, they always say, this will make a great movie. But then you sit there and pray and say, when they get it, you hope they go, what's this other book inside? And that's where all the, the, uh, the nonfiction part is. So I just try to, in a non-invasive way, get someone life-saving information without embarrassing them. I love that. Steve Simpson, you're doing incredible life-saving work. I'm grateful for you. Um, To my darling, sweet listeners, you are never alone. And I mean that. I don't just say that. If there's anything you need, reach out, get help. You are not alone. We love you. And until next time, thanks for listening to Bar Fights. Thank you for listening to Bar Fights with attorney Sarah Klein, taking on issues that matter. Please check out our website at barfightspodcast.com, Instagram at barfightspodcast, or Twitter at barfights underscore pod for the latest show updates and archives.